Hello again and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore, the Senior Evangelist at Lamb and Lion Ministries. And I'm Nathan Jones, Internet Evangelist at Lamb and Lion. Our program today centers on Jeremiah, who had the difficult task of prophesying in Judah from the time of King Josiah to the Babylonian exile. By the time Jeremiah was warning the nation, Judah's apostasy was irreparable. The first vision the Lord gave him was of a devastating invasion from the north. God told Jeremiah his own people would reject his message and fight against him. Jeremiah's message was a difficult one. The Jewish people were confident that they would be protected in spite of their wickedness. At one point, God quotes their attitude as, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, as if the presence of the temple would ensure their preservation. If anything, God in His holiness was even more offended by their rebellion and wickedness. Jeremiah is often considered a prophet of doom, and we've even borrowed that phrase as the title of this episode of Christ in Prophecy. At one point, God even commanded Jeremiah, Do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not listen when they call to me because of their disaster. Talk about hopeless. I cannot imagine the despair such a pronouncement would cause. In spite of witnessing horrors that weigh upon our minds even today, Jeremiah was given reason to hope because he foresaw the coming of the Messiah. He also offered the Jewish people a reason to go on living even as they were carried away into exile. Describing events that took place in the 6th and 7th century BC, about 626 to 566, Jeremiah demonstrated tough faith and persevering hope even as he pronounced and endured a season of doom. Our guest today is devoted pastor, author, and prophecy teacher J.B. Hickson. He is also the founder and director of Not By Works Ministries, headquartered just south of Denver, Colorado. We had the privilege of connecting with him at the Pre-Derib Conference here in Dallas last fall and featured him on a prophetic perspective. J.B., thanks for joining us today on this episode of Christ in Prophecy via Zoom. Hey, great to be with you. Always a privilege. Uh, thanks for letting me be on the program today. Looking forward to our discussion. Well, I know that the Lord will be glorified. JB, as we start out, we obviously live in a time when the signs are multiplying all around us that we are headed toward a great calamity, both as a nation and as a world. And yet, most people are oblivious of that reality. Amazingly to us, even many Christians are resistant to the message that God will not be mocked. He will eventually pour out judgment on individuals and nations that flaunt their wickedness. Yeah, there's no question about it, uh, Tim. You know, the amazing thing about uh, Jeremiah's prophecy, like so many of the Old Testament prophets, is that the closer we get uh, to the return of Christ, the more those centuries-old messages read like they are snatched from today's headlines. In, uh, in Jeremiah 20, we read that people in his day mocked him. They said, you know, he said, I am a derision daily. Everyone mocks me. He said, I heard many mocking me. And, you know, to mock God's Word through His prophets is to mock God Himself. And today, when people mock the truth of God's Word, the Bible, they're mocking God, no question about it. And the fact is, God will not be mocked, Galatians 6-7. Uh, eventually, in God's time, uh, He's going to pour out His judgment in the great day of His wrath, that seven-year tribulation period. Uh, now, that might sound harsh uh, to some people, but if you understand who God is and understand His grace and mercy and justice, then... Uh, really, we should be grateful for this coming judgment, because if sin was left unpunished, then God would be a liar, and we couldn't believe anything He says. But God's not a liar. 
he's a God of justice, yes, but he's also a God of grace and mercy as well. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And uh, God's Word tells us that whosoever will can come drink of the water of life uh, freely. Amen. It's interesting in reading the book of Jeremiah how much it resonates with today. Back then they thought that things would keep going on and on the same, and today we, we look to get back to the normal or what once was. And one thing that has changed, though, that hasn't been normal is it seems as a society, and ask, see if you agree with this or not, has become more and more hostile to Christianity. They're hostile to our faith, our belief systems, even our very presence. Uh, cancel culture seems to be pointed towards Christians and people with Judeo-Christian values. Would you agree? Yeah, that is so true, Nathan. It's, uh, you know, it's what we call the normalcy bias. You know, you become oblivious to how quickly things are changing right in, in front of us. But, you know, as far as canceling uh, Christians, we've experienced that here at Not By Works Ministries. I've lost count of how many of our videos have been banned from YouTube. I think it's somewhere around nine or ten. Uh, and, and that's why we quit posting uh, to YouTube. We post everything at our website, notbyworks.org. But, you know, it just shows the hypocrisy of our uh, woke culture. You know, they deny absolute truth, absolute values, and yet with the same breath, they declare that the biblical worldview is absolutely not allowed. And, uh, you know, I believe if the Lord tarries is coming, uh, Christians in America are going to face horrific persecution the same way our brothers and sisters in Christ have throughout the church age in, in all parts of the world. I think it's coming here. In fact, it, it's probably already here. Uh, slowly, we see more and more Christians suffering for their faith here in the United States, but I think it's going to get much worse. I agree with you, JB. I know that it will get much worse because God's Word tells us as the end draws near, the wickedness will multiply on the earth. As Nathan mentioned in our introduction today, I think our nation perhaps is even more liable for its rebellion and wickedness because we know better, or at least one time our nation knew better. And so we know that we are founded as a Christian nation, and although never perfect, we at least agreed on a definition of right and wrong, good and evil. And now even nominees to our Supreme Court can't define what the word woman means, even though she is proud to say she is one. And our holy God must be highly offended by our claim of righteousness when we are one of the biggest purveyors of wickedness on this earth. Yeah, you know, we said it a moment ago, God will not be mocked. And, um, you know, there's a biblical principle, uh, Jesus tells us that, to whom much is given, much is required. And so we do have a high stewardship here in this country, the greatest country on earth. I'm, I'm actually going to be delivering a message at the Mid-America Prophecy Conference in Tulsa later this year, and it's entitled, Whose Fingerprints Are on the Founding of America? And I'm going to show undeniably that, of course, God's fingerprints were all over the beginnings of this country. But I'm also going to show how Satan, from the very birth of this nation, had his hand in the mix somewhat, trying to usher in this Luciferian one-world system. But you're right, we're going to have a high price to pay one day for squandering this biblical heritage that we have in our, in our great nation and thumbing our nose at the Creator. I love what you say about God's fingerprints, because sometimes even when He is not overtly cited, His fingerprints are all over the weaving of history, just as He was in the era of Esther. Well, yeah, I mean, we look at Jeremiah, how his time period really is, reflects ours so much. Jeremiah lived in a time period where God's wrath was definitely coming down upon Israel. I think we live in a time period, you probably agree, that God's wrath is starting to come. But his blessings are also here, too, in that, that Jeremiah prophesied the coming of the Messiah. JB, could you tell us a little about that from Jeremiah chapter 23? 
Oh, indeed. It's one of the, the, the greatest uh, messianic prophecies that we, uh, we see in the Old Testament, certainly on my top 10 list. Um, and, and it gives us and the nation of Israel great hope. And so I just want to read uh, three verses from uh, Jeremiah 23, uh, where we read, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. They shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. You see, the fact is a better day is coming. I mean, that's the grand meta narrative of scripture in a nutshell. A better day is coming. You know, the Bible tells a story that goes from creation to fall to redemption to recreation in perfect righteousness and justice. And when Christ comes back to take the throne, the Bible will have come full circle back to the pre-fall Edenic state. So we must hold on to that hope. Behold, the days are coming, Jeremiah said. Judah and Israel will be delivered into the long-awaited global kingdom as promised. And the King of kings and Lord of lords will reign in true peace, righteousness, and justice over the entire world. You know, anyone, uh, Tim and Nathan, who suggests that the kingdom of our Lord is already in place now in this present age is reading a different Bible than I am. I don't mean to be ungracious, but I mean, the present age is an age of deception. It's called the last days in scripture because it's the final age before the kingdom comes. We live in an age where Satan is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2. He's the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4. 1 John 5 tells us the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one, but a better day is coming. I love how the Lord our righteousness is pronounced Yahweh Sidkenu, which is supposed to be the name that we'll be calling Jesus during the millennial kingdom. It's kind of a tongue twister though to say Yahweh Sidkenu, but hopefully we'll be able to pronounce it right I think right we'll now. have uh, glorified bodies and glorified mouths go. at that point. Well, JB, in an era when anxiety is growing, and it certainly has been even in these last years, and even right now, many people have a, a rising sense of fear and of even terror, of economic hardship, of growing violence, and even of, of nuclear holocaust or threats to that nature. And yet God's Word offers comfort, not only to His people Israel, but also to all of us who put our hope and our faith in Him. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, obviously, in context, uh, this is a messianic prophecy speaking of the future kingdom of Israel, but all scripture is profitable, and we can certainly draw applications from it. And, 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 and God's word is, is both a message of warning to those who reject and mock him, but at the same time, it's a message of comfort uh, to those who know him by faith. You know, the prophet Isaiah ministered to the southern kingdom of Israel for about 60 years just prior to Jeremiah's ministry. And Isaiah had a similar message to that of Jeremiah when he wrote those famous words in chapter 40, comfort, yes, comfort my people. And God's Word does give us a message of great hope. Now, first of all, you know, we can be saved from the penalty of sin by receiving the free gift of eternal life. And anyone who places his or her faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and rose again to pay their personal penalty for sin, is born again instantly. You become part of the family of God. You receive the gift of eternal life. And Jesus said, in that moment of belief, you pass from life, from death to life and shall never come into judgment. And Peter talked about our new life in Christ as a living hope. So, so that's the first step. 
you got to know the Lord in times like these. And, and if you're listening to the program and you've never placed your faith in Christ, man, let me encourage you to do that today. But for believers, those of us who know the Lord already, we too have hope. Uh, Paul said, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us in Romans 8. The troubling uh, things that we sap- see happening all around us, the, the, the rumors of, of war and those types of things are all setting the stage for the return of Christ. And so we're looking for that blessed hope when we meet the Savior in the air. Amen. It's interesting how Jeremiah, uh, he prophesied and ministered during a time where Nebuchadnezzar was removing the Jews in stages out of Judah and bringing them up to Babylon. So Jeremiah not only warned about judgment, but he also had a other great message maybe you could comment on. He, he ministered by letters to the people who were already in exile. And he had this weird message, you know, like, you know, you're going to be coming back soon, don't worry. No, he said, no, you settle there. You be a blessing. You thrive there and you be an example. Is, is that a strange message to have? Well, it may seem like that, but it's, it's kind of a common theme in Scripture. And once again, we see parallels between you know, Jeremiah's day and our own. Uh, our culture, as we've already said, is becoming increasingly pagan and secular and maybe even hostile to Christianity. In fact, some scholars are referring to this as the post-Christian era. And yet, as we survey history, we see that God's people have always represented the remnant or the minority, if you will, in the world, whether it was Noah or Abraham or Moses and the children of Israel or the church today in our day. We are called to shine as lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse world, uh, as Paul put it in Philippians uh, 2.15. Now, I know that's hard to do, uh, but the interesting thing is, and I know you guys know this better than anybody, in most of the passages in the New Testament that refer to the return of the Lord to rescue His church from this present evil age, the rapture, uh, we find a corresponding admonition to persevere. In other words, knowing that a better day is coming, knowing where our hope really lies, knowing that God is in control, that we're going to meet the Lord in the air someday, that's a strong motivation uh, to remain faithful. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15, one of the great rapture passages in the New Testament, we're told that we, quote, must remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, I also take great comfort from what Jeremiah said to those exiles, uh, because they had lost hope, at least for that season of Israel's history. And yet this prophet of doom, and we have labeled this entire episode the prophet of doom, but yet he foresaw a great regathering of the Jewish people beyond even their deliverance from captivity in Babylon. We know that 70 years after they were carted off into exiles, into exile, the Jews began to return to Israel from the east in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. But Jeremiah foretold a time when the Jews would stream back to the promised land from the north and even from the remote parts of the earth. Among them, as he said in chapter 31, would be women, the blind and the lame, and women with child, and women giving birth. They were in labor even as they were coming back to the promised land. And that prophecy has been fulfilled virtually within our lifetimes, or or very close to it. When did that regathering take place? Well, you know, certainly um, I think the reestablishment of Israel as a nation in 1948 sets the stage for the ultimate fulfillment, uh, which will take place at the return of Christ when He inaugurates the kingdom. Um, you know, we need to remember that, you know, God is is playing out His plan, setting the stage and preparing for, 
for what's going to come. Uh, obviously, you can't have uh, the Antichrist reigning from Israel if there is no Israel. So that was clearly uh, one of the great signs that we're living in the last of the last days, I believe. But I don't see that as the ultimate fulfillment because you know the Jews there are not in belief today. And Paul tells us in Romans uh, chapters nine through eleven that before the nation of Israel as a whole can cry out, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and be delivered into the kingdom. They've got to first believe the gospel. In fact, Paul asks this question in Romans 10, 14, how can they, talking about Israel, call on him in whom they have not believed? So I think the ultimate fulfillment of this promised return to the land will be a supernatural return at the second coming. Jesus said, and I will, or he said, this is Jesus speaking, he will send his angels, a great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one heaven, uh, end of heaven to the other. So that's the, the ultimate fulfillment of all of these promises that begin with the Abrahamic promise in Genesis 12 and are reiterated again and again in places like Deuteronomy 30, verse 3, Isaiah 27, 13, Isaiah 43, uh, and many others. Uh, you know, the worldwide scattering that the Jews have experienced for centuries is not going to prevent Christ from fulfilling his promises and giving them a future in the promised land. And the return from Babylon uh, in, in the Babylonian captivity in Jeremiah's day was was not one that was where they were taken from the four compass points, and it wasn't the complete fulfillment, but clearly it's, it's the setting the stage for what's to come. I think that one of the things we always point to is in uh, Isaiah 43, where in verses 5 through 6, he talks about them coming from the east and the west, the north and the south. Of course, in Babylon, they only came from the east around about the, uh, the Fertile Crescent, if you will, but from every direction. And then if you think back even to the regathering that we've witnessed in the last 70 years to 100 years, there was a time, and this was poignantly beautiful because even as some of the, uh, the Jewish people down in Africa were brought back to Israel, in one particular instance, they stripped out all the seats of a 747, loaded it up with a record number of human beings, and flew them to Israel. And en route to Israel, there were women giving birth to children. And, and you just, you're, you're, your heart thrills to know that prophecy is being fulfilled, and yet it still awaits a final fulfillment. Now look at Ezekiel 36 and 37, where the dry bones come together and form a nation again. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing, waiting for a spirit to come in them. Well, JB, would you say then uh, many Bible prophecy teachers look to Israel becoming a nation again as the greatest sign, the super sign, or look to Israel as God's prophetic time clock? Would you agree? Is the regathering of Israel back into the nation the greatest sign we have that Jesus Christ is coming soon? Oh, most certainly. Uh, one of our videos at Not By Works Ministry is on uh, uh, are we living in the last of the last days? And I give top 10 signs of that. And the very first one is the reestablishment uh, of Israel uh, in 1948. JB, I think you've already beautifully uh, enunciated the gospel message. We point out to people that you either are under the grace of God, not by works, but by grace. I love the title even of your ministry, or you are under the wrath of God. And that comes directly from John 3.31, which says, if you have not put your faith in Christ, then the wrath of God abides on you. So our message is to flee from the coming wrath. And even the tribulation itself will be an outpouring of judgment motivating, and God's purpose partially is to motivate people to flee from that wrath into the grace and the salvation He offers. And so I appreciate your, uh, again, enunciating that message very clearly today. Yeah, I mean, there's an urgency to the gospel, obviously, as we get closer and closer to the Lord's return. And you're exactly right. You're either a child of God by faith, John 1, 12, 
or you're still under the wrath of God. And uh, Jesus said, I say to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, John 8, 24. So uh, absolutely, uh, this is the time to really uh, examine your heart and make sure there's been a time when you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the only one who can forgive sin and give you the gift of eternal life. JB, uh, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. I, as far as I know, have never seen you weeping over the times that we're living in, but uh, you are definitely a voice that's calling the Lord like Jeremiah, calling the people to come back to the Lord. Uh, you're seeing the signs of the times. You're seeing this growing spirit of Antichrist spread around the world. Can you explain what that term means, the spirit of Antichrist rising? That's a great question, Nathan, and I, I think God's Word certainly gives us a great uh, resource for recognizing truth and separating truth from error. You know, we're definitely living in the great last days of deception. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.13 that deception is getting worse and worse, and it's going to reach unprecedented levels uh, when the Antichrist uh, takes over the world. And uh, in my new book, Spirit of the Antichrist, I refer to this as the gathering cloud of deception. The Bible tells us in 1 John that one Antichrist, capital A, is coming, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world today. See, the stage is being set for this rise of the Antichrist and the one world system, politically, economically, and religiously. And so if, as the Bible says, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world, then it follows we should see more and more of this spirit as we get closer to the end times. And so in my uh, book, which by the way, is a pretty uh, beefy book, 300 pages, it's got 38 pages of uh, bibliographic citations. And it's really the culmination of about 15 years of studying this topic in earnest. But I expose several ways that the spirit of the Antichrist is manifested all around us. And, uh, you know, it's going to expose readers to some things maybe that they've never heard before, never studied. Uh, never examined. Um, but uh, And by the way, the, the global elite do not like that we're exposing some of this stuff. That's why I mentioned earlier they've banned a bunch of our uh, videos, but that information has found its way into this book, and, and I would encourage folks to to pick it up and read it, study it for themselves, of course. Don't, don't take my word for it, but I think we can confidently conclude that the stage is being set for the rise of this uh, a future man of sin. So it's called Spirit of the Antichrist, the Gathering Cloud of Deception. I think the most important thing any of us can do, and you've already uh, indicated this as well, JB, is that we would not only uh, gain insight from what's going on in the world, but we would stay grounded in the Scripture, and we would compare everything against the Word of God, just as Paul uh, lauded the Bereans. Well, how can our viewers get in touch with your ministry? I've already mentioned the name, but what is your website? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so our website is notbyworks.org, notbyworks.org. And if they're interested in the book, uh, they just need to go to spiritoftheantichrist.org. That's spiritoftheantichrist.org. And they can uh, read the preface. They can also see the table of contents, see some of the topics that we uh, address in there. And you can purchase it right from that website. So spiritoftheantichrist.org. Well, before we close, JB, I want to give you an opportunity, lest we be accused of accentuating the gloomy and the doomy and living up to our episode title as Prophets of Doom, what word of encouragement and hope can you offer to close us out today? 
I'm so glad you you asked that because uh, you know you do see a lot of this uh, drip feed of dread that's out there, people making money off of fear, uh, but we don't believe that. As we said with the prophet Jeremiah, we believe there is comfort uh, coming. There's a better day coming, and so my word of encouragement would be uh, two things. First of all, if you don't know the Lord, trust Christ. That's priority number one. But if you do know the Lord, if you're a believer, uh, be prepared. You know, we need to walk by faith in these times when everything we see uh, could be very and is very alarming. So we need to focus on what is not seen, not what is seen, and and study the Bible, study what it says about uh, this uh, gra- gathering cloud of uh, deception, and uh, and keep keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. That's what I would say. Amen. Well, JB, I hope that our paths will cross again very soon, either in person or in the air when the trumpet sounds. Amen. Thank you guys so much, Tim and Nathan. You're always a blessing to me and, of course, a great blessing to the body of Christ. Thanks so much. Godspeed. Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet because of his tearful lament over Jerusalem. We've titled this episode, Prophet of Doom, to indicate the magnitude of his message of judgment on the wayward nation of Judah. When Judah rejected repeated warnings to turn back to the Lord, God's wrath was kindled. And in Jeremiah 4.4, God was still calling His people to circumcise themselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of their heart. But their apostasy and willful rejection of Him sealed their fate. Like ancient Judah, God has been calling America to repentance for many years. He has sent prophetic voices to call this nation back to Him. But our willful rebellion continues. It's been said that those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. The Bible proclaims the truth of God's eternal plan of salvation and warns us to avoid falling into sin. The question is whether we will embrace His offer of salvation or follow in the footsteps of others who have fallen under His righteous judgment. David Reagan offered a clarion call of warning to our wayward nation in his book, America's Suicide. Does America have any hope or is its fate sealed? Dr. David Reagan asserts the brutal fact that our nation has turned its back on the one who has blessed us so abundantly. We are a nation that has forgotten God. The consequences are apostate churches and a society consumed with immorality and violence. America's suicide shares from the scriptures how God deals with a nation he has blessed that turns against him. America has crossed the point of no return and is thus on a path to self-destruction. The book concludes by talking about the hope that remains for both believers and unbelievers. The book is available for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Please call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name or order online at lamblion.com. Jeremiah's message is as relevant today as it was 2,700 years ago. God will not be mocked. And claiming a heritage of righteousness is no more effective than crying out, the temple, the temple, the temple. We highlighted several modern prophetic voices who have been faithful to sound an alarm true to the Word of God. But like ancient Judah, our society and the world in general either ignores the warning or heaps scorn on those who urge repentance and obedience to God. Even within the church, a message of impending doom is rejected as an off-putting to so-called seekers instead of true to the prophetic word of God. But hear us again today. Unless we turn back to God as a nation, America is destined for judgment and wrath. We believe that God's righteous indignation will be even more pronounced because we should know better. Just as Jesus said it would be worse on the day of judgment for Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum than for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because they were blessed by the Lord and yet rejected Him. 
Our first key verse, 1811, captures the impending doom God pronounced on Judah if they did not turn back from their evil ways and reform. But our second key verse, 23, 5 through 6, points to God's promise to send a righteous king to reign over his people. That righteous branch has come and is returning to reign as king of kings. Jesus Christ, the righteous son of David, has already endured the wrath of God on behalf of everyone who puts their trust in him. Do not wait another hour. Put your trust in the anointed one who offers restoration for all who are exiled in sin. We'll return to Jeremiah again on other episodes of Christ in Prophecy. But our time is up for today. So until next week, this is Tim Moore and Nathan Jones saying, Look up and be watchful, for the righteous branch who is coming soon to reign as king is drawing near.